Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are discussing the tariff issue from several different angles as we kind of walk through this conversation with uh, different people who are involved with the tariffs. And we're very pleased to have a executive with us from Livingston International. Livingston International is focused on customs, brokerage, and compliance. And their director of strategic analysis, Philip Sutter, is with us. He is with Livingston's global trade management business with responsibility for monitoring the progress and potential impact of strategic trade initiatives such as the NAFTA renegotiations, CETA, the TPP, and our Brexit, which we've, we've had a number of shows on Brexit. Today we'll have uh, Phil, Philip fill us in on what is happening with the tariffs from the aspect of Livingston International. Philip, thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, Philip, why don't you give our listeners an idea of what Livingston International is and does so they understand your perspective? Well, uh, Livingston is a uh, large customs broker. They are the number one customs broker uh, in in Canada, and they are one of the largest customs brokers in the United States. Um, through our global trade management group, we have a, a global presence um, uh, also in U.S. and Canada, but as well Mexico in uh, in Europe, uh, a growing presence in the Asia Pacific region. Um, so we're able to provide a, a wide range of services from brokerage uh, to global trade management, which is um, like a managed services type of uh, operation. Um, we provide uh, con- extensive consulting services, um, and we're um, we provide uh, freight forwarding uh, services as well. Um, and, um, you know, it's a growing company. It uh, clearly is. Uh, excellent organization. We're well familiar with uh, Livingston, but I want our listeners to hear it from uh, your perspective. Philip, give me an idea of the Section 232 tariffs, some background on the steel and aluminum tariffs and how they came to be, if you would, please. Uh, well, Section 232 refers to Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act of 1962. Um, it's been used a couple of times since then, not too frequently. Um, the the president uh, directed, however, in April of 2017, uh, for the Department of Commerce to to do an investigation under that uh, provision, and basically they're looking at uh, what effect. Uh, the um, the steel and aluminum industry are um, affected re- related to national security, uh, potentially due to unfair trading practices. Um, and then they were directed to undergo that investigation and offer some uh, some uh, recommendations to the president. Um, and they did so um, earlier this year. Um, made the recommendations. Uh, the president received those and and. Um, uh, I think on March, early March, uh, he came out with his proclamation, a presidential proclamation, um, closely following what was recommended. But um, he ended up 
wanting to uh, install a 25% uh, duty on steel articles, certain steel articles, and a 10% duty on certain aluminum articles. And um, those were put into effect on uh, March 23rd. Certain countries, uh, importantly, were exempted from that. Um, Canada and Mexico, uh, Australia, Argentina, Brazil, South Korea, as well as all of the 28 European Union countries. Uh, so that was a, uh, a big thing. Um, but those duties did come into play uh, on March 23rd for all of the other countries. Now, a key proviso in that is that um, those exemptions only last until a week from today, until May 1st, unless they're extended. So that's a big thing that we're watching out for here uh, at Livingston on behalf of our, our clients um, because, um, you know, that will be quite a big impact, bigger, you know, it's sure, been a huge sure. impact so far, but uh, even bigger if those countries, especially, you know, Canada, Mexico, and the European Union uh, lose their exemption. Right. Okay. Now, in terms of what Livingston does for goods coming into the U.S. that have a duty that has to be paid on them, is it correct that Livingston makes the payment and then bills your client? Yeah, I mean, there are different, uh, you know, credit arrangements uh, as to how that might be handled. It might be, you know, a, a COD type of arrangement or it might be, um, a, you know, a periodic payment um, that's set up. But, um, you know, basically we're the, uh, the go-between uh, working on behalf of the importer to file the uh, entry documentation with uh, Customs and Border Protection, pay the duties, pay the fees, uh, get the goods cleared and on their way. Okay, and back to March 23rd, so it's uh, a little over a month now, I assume that you have, in fact, been paying duties on goods coming into the USA. Yes, certainly, yeah. Um, if affected on, on that March 23rd, it was 12.01 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time uh, you know, across the nation. Um, so one thing that we did with our clients was alert them to, you know, to that precise uh, effective date, effective time. Uh, and, and that will apply again uh, on May 1st, you know, that it's critical uh, if – you know, it was was critical prior to March 23rd, and it is critical prior to May 1st if you may lose your exemption to get those goods into the country, to get them uh, accepted, um, entry made uh, prior to that date. So, you know, if goods are on the water, if you've got, you know, trucks that need to move uh, around right. that time frame, you know, need to make sure that they get it, get here um, prior to that that deadline. Yes, move them sooner rather than later. Philip, what kinds of products and classifications do the tariffs apply to? And then let's talk about what kind of manufacturing businesses are going to be affected. So what kind of products and classifications are we talking about? Well, we're talking about certain kinds of um, steel uh, and aluminum. I mean, um, you know, mostly on the uh, raw material side of things, Um Coils of steel, coils of aluminum, um, you know, that are going to be used primarily in a further manufacturing 
um, mode. So it's okay. it's not your it's not your finished, you know, quote unquote finished articles, but it would be um, essentially raw, more raw material type of items. And Philip, is there a listing? Okay, is there a listing of uh, products and their classification codes so that someone could look at it and go, oh, it applies to us, or oh, it doesn't apply to us? Yes, certainly. Um, The the Department of Commerce uh, published that list uh, in the proclamation. It's in the Federal Register. Um, I mean, you can go also to our um, Livingston Trade News website. Uh, and get read up on several articles related to Section 232, and also see the the, um, the goods that were uh, affected by it. Okay, and you mentioned coming out of steel mills. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Does that really mean uh, round bar, flat bar, sheet plate, coil, uh, and nothing yeah, all, done all of after those. Bars, that? Bars, rods, profiles, um, wire, plate, sheet, strip foil um okay yep I- interesting that it would be coming from a steel mill could it be coming from any other source and get a tariff applied to it other than a steel mill if if the country of origin is uh one of the countries that is not uh under an exemption then um you know it's it's going to be affected by the by the the duty either 25 percent for steel or 10 percent for aluminum Okay, and what kinds of manufacturing businesses might be affected by this, uh, Philip? Well, anything further fabricating, um, you know, I mean, certainly the auto companies uh, fabricating, uh, you know, uh, door door and body panels. Um, anything that you're going to, to, to stamp out, you know, stamping operations. Um, right. You know, machinery. Uh, manufacturers, um, you know, anyone that uses those kinds of raw material products, you know, so quite a bit of the manufacturing uh, industry, I would say. Okay. Has there been a great deal of confusion around this so far? Um, I mean, I think so. I mean, people have, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, does this really apply, you know, um, what can I do to, to you know, to to avoid it? Um, you know, you 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 have to be compliant. I mean, you have to classify your goods properly um, from a classification perspective. Uh, there's really uh, no way to get out of it unless you're going to you know do that further manufacturing potentially in the other country before it gets here and, and bring it into a uh, basically substantially transform it. Uh, into a new and different article of commerce um, and, and, and get its classification changed that way. I mean, there's no other way to avoid those duties. Right, right. Now, I noticed in uh, one of the documents I was reading in your background that your expertise covers the avoidance and recovery of duty, not evasion, but avoidance. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you explain avoidance for us, please? Well, I mean, a lot of companies that uh, – we help um, are not taking advantage of free trade agreements, for example. Uh, they might be leaving money on the table that uh, they are lawfully not required to pay. But, I mean, if you don't declare um, 
you know, that you can make a NAFTA claim, that you can make, uh, you know, I mean, the U.S. has other trade agreements, you know, with Australia, with Korea. Um, you know, if you don't make those claims, you don't get the money. Uh, and so companies sometimes are not proficient in, in understanding uh, those opportunities that, that uh, are legally available to them. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's something that we specialize in to help those companies uh, take the fullest advantage of. Okay, yeah, it appears that uh, you work a lot in the mitigation of compliance, exposure, and risk. Would that include helping companies identify what harmonized codes they should be using? No, exactly. Um, uh, you know, classification is something not to take lightly. I mean, a lot of things hinge on the correct classification. Obviously, we see here Section 232 hinges on having the correct classification. Uh, you know, in these kinds of instances, customs is going to be looking at the classification. If you, you know, if you're not classifying that properly and the goods are coming from China, uh, you know, customs is going to give that a lot of scrutiny. Um, you know, outside of the Section 232, if you have products that uh, fall into certain anti-dumping or countervailing duty uh, cases, um, you know, classification becomes very important. Um, just the, the general rate of duty, um, you know, you, you want to, um, you, you want to get that correct. I mean, uh, and, and to get that correct, you need facts. You need to, uh, analyze your product. You need to understand exactly what they are because it's not always as easy as just looking at a description of the product. Uh, sometimes you need to know the functions and the, and the different attributes of that product to get that classification correct. And, and that's something that we really, um, pride ourselves in doing uh, a, a great job on. Uh, right. I know that uh, I have at a glance read some of the harmonized code descriptions in which you can get lost for a long time trying to understand them. Sure. You know, besides, I mean, there's there there are, you know, the, the tariff, which is, a, um, you know, quite a voluminous document itself, um, but there's lots of other things that go along with that. Uh, uh, you know, c- Customs and Border Protection, um, you know, I don't know, on a monthly basis, dozens upon dozens of, of rulings that are sometimes precedential to, uh, you know, how you should classify. So those are things that we monitor as well to understand, you know, how does Customs classify uh, a product? What are they um, dictating that, uh, you know, a particular kind of commodity, you know, how it should be treated? Um so, you know, we're looking at that, you know, and sometimes these, these uh, classification issues go to court and, and, you know, those are further precedents that are set uh, as to how um, a classification should be approached. And you certainly know this well because I understand that you are a licensed U.S. customs broker and a certified customs specialist. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, um, we have a... a you know, quite a population of uh, licensed customs brokers at uh, at Livingston. I mean, uh, and it's you know, it's just, it, besides being uh, a licensed customs broker as as uh, a company, you know, individuals can can get that additional accreditation, um, and it's a um, acquired through uh, an exam. You know, similar to you know. 
face some kind of accounting exam to to get uh, licensed for different professions. Um, uh, and you know, it's a difficult uh, exam. They they give that exam twice per year, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's a it's a big deal within our industry. Yeah. I am sure it is. Let me talk to you about a couple of dates that seem to be floating out there. Um, some that we have heard that we that we don't understand that you'll probably understand more. When the March 23rd date was established, it seemed to me that there was a uh, an appeal process, a review process, that some of these tariffs might not go into effect over a period of some 90 days while they went through uh, applications and review of exemptions, and they they kick in June 23rd. Am I accurate in that, Bill? The um, well, we've we've talked a bit about the exemptions and the and the 34 countries that are exempted. Um, but in addition to the exemption process, there's an exclusion process that's available to okay. importers. Uh, so. Um, you can you can apply. You can fill in a, a request form. Um, it's like a five-page form to describe your product and the, the various specifications of that product, uh, and then uh, file that. Um, and then that's going to be a matter of public record. Um, <clears throat> there will be a, um, a, a a comment period where other parties can file objections to those requests. Uh, and if mm -hmm. it gets gets through that process, and I don't think any have been granted thus far. Um, okay. But but um, you know I, I understand that many companies have have done that so far. Um, what hasn't happened a lot. I mean, it, they're basically um, the government's just being glutted with these requests, and so not very many right. have been posted so far. Uh, and it actually came up uh, last week. Uh, the Senate Finance Committee um, was kind of uh, disturbed by the the process, and um, uh, essentially they were not too happy with with the um, basically the bureaucracy of of what you needed to provide to to get these um, these exclusions. Mm -hmm. I I do recall looking at some of those forms and thinking to myself. Because as my understanding is, it is on a product-by-product product basis, and the form doesn't look particularly easy. No, it does not. I mean, it, it's uh, it's quite a uh, it's quite a, a voluminous uh, form, and um, you know, you you have to have a pretty good um, idea that you've got a, a good shot um, at getting exempted. Because every variation of a product, you have to submit a um, a new form, right? Right. So you know, yeah, you, you could be you could be submitting dozens upon dozens of these forms, and if you don't, if you're not successful, um, I mean, it, it could be a, a quite a waste of time. Yeah, I was uh, concerned for manufacturers uh, here who might have that struggle. Let's talk about the May first date here. Uh, that sounds like a very big one, and we're six, seven days out from that trigger point, what does that look like? Is uh, If that happens and Canada and Mexico lose their exemptions, then this could be really challenging, could it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the um, the impact 
to those uh, those companies that we talked about previously, you know, they may currently have the steel uh, articles, aluminum articles from uh, non-exempt countries, but they may, you know, additionally have uh, quite a larger amount of um, imports from Canada and Mexico or, say, any of the European countries like uh, Germany. Right. I'm sure it's going to be very challenging, and I, I – I'll ask you, but I'm, I don't know that you'll have the answer for it uh, because nobody has a crystal ball. But where's the needle on, uh, on May 1st in terms of these countries losing their exemption? Is it weighing more in their favor or weighing more not in their favor? Well, it, it may come down to, um, you know, uh, country by country. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. how the NAFTA negotiations are going – you know, that was stated in the initial proclamation that uh, basically um, the continuance of their exemption is kind of tied to how the NAFTA is going to go. You know, and there is some promising signs there, but, you know, nothing has been concluded. So something has got to break by May 1st. Um, maybe not right. the conclusion of the NAFTA renegotiation, but um, there's going to have to be a further extension. Um uh, in the same way, I mean, uh, South Korea, for example, they did renegotiate the South Korean agreement. Now, nothing official has come out yet as far as the proclamation, but uh, verbally, uh, the, uh, the president has said that um, South Korea will be further exempted from the steel tariffs. Okay. Uh, based Phil, on, based on some that, concessions that they made. So, if any sense that these uh, tariffs are going to either go away quickly or are they going to be around for a while? Um, yeah, there's really no good indication of that. I mean, I think, I think my judgment is that, you know, that they might be sticking around for a while, uh, you know, because the, um, the other thing that's going on is you've got the, um, the, the section 301 tariffs going as well with, uh, for the, uh, intellectual property right issues, uh, with China. Right, and so those would be additional right. duties. Okay. How do those work? Or if you can share a little bit with, with us about the 301 duties. Well, uh, basically, um, the U.S. is concerned with the um, intellectual property right violations uh, that are alleged against China, and um, there's been um, a list well beyond. Um, just steel and aluminum. And also, you know, I should say it it uh, basically doubles up on the steel and aluminum because the, those same products are on the Section 301 list, but the list goes well beyond that into, into chemicals and uh, many other areas, automobiles, um, other transportation products, medical equipment, and, and so on um, would be affected. But the Section 301 is uh, exclusive for China at the, at the moment. Ah, okay. And is it is it? Uh, I'm sorry. Do we know what percentage they're talking about in terms of the duty amount? Yes, that would that would be 25 percent on those products as of right now. I mean, it hasn't been finalized yet. There's still, uh, you know, in uh, a comment period. There's going to be a congressional hearing on it uh, coming up uh, in like uh, in the early part of May. Um, 
and we we probably won't know if those are going to come into effect until probably late May, and uh, the effectivity date, if they do happen, would be probably June or July. Okay. Philip, just a couple of closing questions. Uh, does Livingston help its customers with filing the exemption documents? Our, yes, our consulting is uh, ready and willing to help out on that. Okay. I think that's important for our listeners to know. And uh, in terms of someone getting a hold of Livingston International, it's livingstonintl.com is your website address. Uh, it sounds to me like people would, would be smart to uh, give Livingston a ring, particularly in the areas of gaining an understanding of what harmonized codes they should be using and how to fill out some of the paperwork for the exemptions. It sounds like you guys do a lot of great work in that area. Yeah, I mean, any any and all of that. And, uh, you know, as we discussed, uh, free trade agreements uh, is another specialty area. Um, if you have issues with uh, anti-dumping and countervailing duties, that's another area that we can help out with for sure. Well, Philip, we appreciate just you purely move, moving uh, your product from point A to point B. We're here to help. Oh, that's yes, that's right. That's that's your core business is moving the goods from point A to point B. Philip, we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio and kind of giving us some more uh, in-depth information on what's happening with the tariff issue. Thank you for joining us. All right, you're welcome. Thank you. You bet. And we've been speaking right. with Philip Sutter, who is the director of strategic analysis. For Livingston's global trade management business, uh, we encourage anyone who wants to go through this another time or two to listen to it at mfgtalkradio.com, where it will be posted shortly. Uh, And we have, of course, another show that's out there called womenandmfg.com, Women in Manufacturing. But this has been some terrific information shared by Philip Sutter, who's Director of Strategic Analysis. With Livingston, we appreciate him being on the show, and we appreciate all of you who are listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Come back and listen to us often. We've got a lot of new shows being posted, and thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.